Welcome to What Are We Singing? I'm your host, Trent Walker. So glad you're joining me today for this Advent series that I've been doing. Let's kick right into it today. Okay, guys, well, uh, we're going to be talking about Advent Joy Week for our Advent series. Glad to have you on. This has been a lot of fun to do. Uh, and just, you know, again, live from the RV, live from RV. We love it. Uh, I got my guitar here. I wanted to play a little song for you because, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of on this thing right now and getting ready to be talking more as we come into the new year about what are we singing? Like, what's going into our mouth? What what are we listening to in our ears? Like, what is taking over the conversation within the church, outside of the church? I mean, there's a lot of people on this channel that don't go to church and don't know much about it. And so, man, I, I figure I can, I have a place to talk about that. And so I'm excited about that. Today, though, um, well, We'll, we will talk about that a lot today, so I'll just warn you, if you don't like me talking about the church or care to hear anything about that, you can turn this off and I won't be upset. Uh, but if you like what I'm talking about and the things that I feel the Lord's bringing to the forefront, then give me a thumbs up and give us a thumbs up. Uh, watch our comeback and watch uh, our family talk about Advent together this Sunday. And uh, we're going to sing a song. If you haven't yet, you can vote right here on this channel for the song you want us to sing this Sunday. Uh, I think Joy to the World is winning right now. Um, not one of my favorite Christmas songs, although I love it. It's good. But man, nobody voted for Hark the Herald or, you know. <laughs> Anyways, oh, they would be dropping things all over the place. So this is like super real. I'm not like editing much of this out here unless I, you know completely blank, but I will be looking at my notes a little bit too. So I asked a question earlier this week too, like, don't you find it really interesting that, uh, you know, Christmas music, at least for me, it tends to make me really joyful. It tends to, you know, make my heart feel light. There's tons of reasons that people have given for this, but I, I asked that question like, uh, don't you find it interesting that Christmas music is just all around more joyful and people in general tend to be more joyful? Not always. Not all people. There are some bah humbugs out there. But for the most part, it's just a good cheer season, right? Well, I believe this is spiritual. I believe that it transcends the style, the nostalgia, and the happy music, and the pretty lights and snow. I think all of that adds to it, but I think that's more of a response to the spiritual thing that's already going on. I believe it is a gift from the Father of Lights that Jesus came into the world to bring us joy, and he still does today. And I think, like I said, those things are a response to Jesus coming into the world already and he brings light and he shines light in the darkness, which is really cool. And so I, I, I kind of wanted to think about this from the perspective of one of the songs we sing around Christmas time. I wanted to talk about We Three Kings and we're going to wrap this into what the Bible says about it too. So I, I got my lyrics right here. Um, I want to sing it for you. 
we don't know it, if you haven't heard this one in a while, hopefully, hopefully I don't sound too terrible on this microphone, but I think it sounds pretty good. We three kings of Orient are Bearing gifts we traverse afar Field and fountain more And mountain following yonder star Oh, star of wonder, star of night Star with royal beauty bright Westward leading still proceeding Guide us to thy perfect light Okay, so just a little snippet there. You know, I, I, I love kind of bringing about some of these songs that maybe we don't, don't hear all the time, but I guarantee you this is one that you'll probably hear walking around town. And hopefully, you know, you, we get a chance to clue into the words. And I have some of the words that I really wanted to talk about uh, today. Let's go to the Word of God. So we're going to read from Matthew 2. Uh, I won't read all of it because, you know, you can look it up for yourself too. On Sunday, we will read it with the kids, but it talks about the Magi, the three wise men. They came bearing gifts because they saw a star in the east and they came to Jerusalem and they came to Herod and they said, where is the king of Jews to be born? Because we saw his star and we read the prophecy. And so we're here. And what's interesting is Herod really didn't know about it. It's The Bible says that it troubled him, but he didn't know about it. So he inquired of the chief, chief priests and scribes and had them come. And they said, well, yeah, the prophecy in Isaiah says that he's going to be born um, to a virgin and it's going to be in the town of Bethlehem. And then they leave and he secretly goes to the Magi and he says like, wow, this is so great. Like, well, they say, he's. can you tell me when the star came and, you know, being super nice and, oh, hey, by the way, just when you find him, come tell me so I can worship him too. Well, you know, they were smart. They were wise men. They're like, this guy wants to kill the baby. And so here's what's interesting about this. Uh, Isaiah seven fourteen, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and his name will be, will be called Emmanuel, God with us. One of the most remarkable things about Christianity in comparison to every other religion is that the claim that God came, there's a claim that God came and dwelt among us, that we're not a people created by a sovereign deity left to figure things out on our own or to work out our ways through penance to some supreme being, but rather it's in the very nature of God, his name that he is salvation. What's interesting about this is, again, like every other religion really genuinely assumes that if there is some supreme being, then it is up to us to attain to some form of goodness to get to him. But yet Jesus came and said, no, it was like Emmanuel, God with us. He came so that we, by grace through faith alone, could come to a father who loves us and is good. And we didn't have to do any of it on ourselves. We just needed to receive the gift that Jesus gave. It's a, 
amazingly powerful story. And I know this is the basic, simple gospel, but you'd be amazed at how much people just genuinely don't know that this is what Christianity is all about. It's powerful to think about. Anyways, I digress because we're going to talk a little bit about the church today. Again, I don't want to get too preachy on you because I mean, this just this stuff kind of excites me. This isn't just a historical thing. It's like, okay, great, whatever. But what does that mean for us? The name Emmanuel, God with us, this is what's remarkable about it. These wise men came from afar and they came to worship and they were met but with Mary and Joseph by miracle. It says in verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly. And then going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and Joseph. And here's the thing. They saw the star in the east, but when they saw Mary with Joseph and Jesus, they saw the star again, or, or they were following it, but they rejoiced exceedingly. That's why we're talking about joy right now. And here's the reason why they rejoiced. They rejoiced because they saw a miracle. They're like, oh my gosh, we read the scripture. Even the chief priests and the scribes said his name would be Emmanuel. And then they see this child born in Bethlehem and his name is Emmanuel. His name is Jesus, which... It was the derivative from Joshua, which meant deliverer, which meant salvation, which meant God now with us. It's powerful, powerful connection of all of that. And I love that story. So this is what blows my mind. I can't wait to, you know, talk about that with my kids and just remind them of that. You know, I think that's one of the joyful things about being a dad and, and being able to share that with them and be able to share it with you guys today, too. Uh, joy is not oblivious or ignorant, though, of our wounds or our suffering. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.17, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And in 6.10 it says, We live as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. You know, and I just... I want to I wanted to talk about joy, but I also recognize that that it's not as easy to capture or comprehend in our world when we don't see it and we don't know it. And it's easy to, you know, to hear a cute sermon that ta- tells us what joy is in comparison to happiness, but when it doesn't become real to your personal story, it's really hard to listen to. And so you know, I, I wanted to bring up something that may get a little real. It's a little personal for me today. But I got thinking about this when I got thinking about teaching it to our kids. I was like, man, we're talking about Advent right now. And we've been teaching them that Advent is that Jesus came, he's coming again, and that he comes to save us. And there's four, you know, celebrations of Advent before Christmas. It's hope, peace, joy, which is the week we're on, and love. And we'll set up the candles this week uh, on the joy candle. But I got thinking like, man, I think the reason that people struggle with these concepts is simply because we also unwittingly celebrate another holiday around this time. And it's Advent the enemy's way. We celebrate the coming in of darkness, literally. Literally. 
we talk about the world in a hopeless manner. And so that first week of Advent for the darkness and for the enemy is like hopelessness. The second week is unrest. We're so busy. We run all around. The third week is depression. You know, there are so many people dealing with depression and mental illnesses today that you have to stop and wonder and say, oh, this is hopeless and unrestful. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, We need a savior because the fourth celebration that the world and the enemy loves to celebrate for Advent is hate. They're even changing the name of that word today to embrace it. And I'm, I just, I, I want to teach my kids and say, no, that is not how you're supposed to live. You don't need to be like that. We're, we're not supposed to partner with the ways of darkness but Jesus is light and let's partner with that. Have you ever felt like a bunch of random unconnected people are talking about the same thing? Like recently, Siobhan and I have been cluing into the word shalom. Uh, It's not a word we hear very often. And since we have been recently seeing some amazing things happening, we've just chosen to perk our ears up to that word and pay attention to it. it has been very special to us and you know we have just said okay lord there's something here we're listening to it well for this week on joy i actually felt to talk about something i've been hearing random things about lately and the thing i want to talk about is church hurt this is the description people give when they have been wounded in some way by church leadership for years It used to be one could hear the term wounded people, wound people, which would imply that we ought to be cautious and careful of our connections and interactions with wounded people, right? Well, today we have a little more understanding that the church tends to attract wounded people. It's in the point of our lowest and our loneliness that we recognize that we need Jesus, Some come into the church seeking to find answers and mistakenly place the answer finding on the pastor or the church leadership. And so we have two separate things happening where people come to find answers in Jesus and get answers from each other that aren't quite always what Jesus says or the way that Jesus would act. And so we've often combated that with sayings like, well, what would Jesus do, right? Now, again, you can see, like, I, I tend to be reading this because I want to get this right. And I want to, I've thought through what I wanted to say on this. So bear with me if you see my eyes looking at my notes here, because I mean, a lot of this is, is real for me. And I want to, I want to make sure I'm sharing it accurately the way that God placed it in my heart. So history has taught us that quite often the church, remember, it's full of broken people, steers away from Jesus. And what we need is a revival and a reintroduction of who Jesus is. That's for everybody, including the church. We also have a very secular, anti-religious media, and I'll tack on social media to that as well, that loves to help us us soothe our wounds and reminding us that the church is going to hurt you. And I mean, look at what this guy just did, right? You know, like we, we read the news and it's, it's, again, it's full of darkness and hopelessness. I'm not saying we shouldn't read the news. I mean, there's terrible things that happen. And so what do we do with that? 
you know, aren't we all wounded people? I have scars from church hurt, leaders that have spoken wrong of me. The saying, sticks and stones can't break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That may be true, at least in my life. I continue to choose and rebuke every word of the enemy that has been used against me. For me, though, the hardest scar is being used and then once the thing that was wanted from me was obtained, being cast aside and forgotten about. Those kind of scars remain and you can't get that purity back, that innocence back. That's what a scar is. And it might not hurt anymore for those who have let the Lord heal it, but sometimes he'll leave the scar and you bear those marks. You know, it, it does seem, however, that the conversation has flipped and the norm is implied now that church hurt is a real thing. Wherever I go, I find people who have been wounded by the church. Now, this is a funny story. Bennett, you guys all know my son Bennett, he's now 16. Well, when we were younger and we were doing the YouTube channel, we were traveling, we were ministering at churches all the time. He was talking with some friends um, and we overheard him say, you know, like boys do, uh, talking about their scars. Bennett says, all my, he says, all my scars from, come from churches. Now that's very true. Like, like he hit his head and broke open his head so many times. There was one time I was at a church where I had to leave in the middle of the service to go to CVS to get some Steri strips and band-aids because the church had none. Okay. I'll leave that story right there. That's, that's so true. But back to talking about church hurt. It's real. And honestly, it's, it's pretty polarized the way I see some of these things happening. I either meet the ones who have made peace with the hurt and moved on to another church or those who have left completely. The ones who have made peace believe that the church is the body of Christ and that it is full of wounded people and they're still okay with that. And they're still okay with their pastors or leadership, you know, being hurt and wounded people. And sometimes they're still okay with the pastors and church leadership being hurt and wounded people and still operating in that way without wanting or even trying to change. Sometimes that's hard for us to swallow. Of these ones, some, but not as much, enter into the service of the church, but this is way less than the ones who go and are less participatory. I find that of these, those who used to be in the inner circle of influence, decision-making, and part of the vision tend to now go and hang back in the sidelines for various reasons usually out of a deep sense of loyalty to the body of believers and a tolerance with its leaders. It's kind of a be in the church, but don't get too close relationship. And for one, I think that's a big, big strategy of the enemy. I mean, I think of myself, I grew up in the church. I love the body of Christ. I love the operation of the church, you know, and, and for one, like I, that's, that's part of who I am. But I, for one, have had many opportunities in my life to leave the faith, to write off and say, man, none of this was worth believing at all. Many opportunities. And what's sad is many of my friends actually have taken that on. But I just, the thing is, is that my foundation was never in the church, my foundation was always in Christ 
even when the body of believers or its leadership was acting in a very wrong way. And so it's sad to me in a strategy of the enemy that many who are my age, you know, I'm between the Gen X and the millennial age, um, are not rising up to be leaders and saying, hey, I've been through this and I, I believe that there's hope, you know, and we are still to see the church and be the church and be alive and be the life of Christ. I made the claim back in 2016 on our YouTube channel before everything went viral that Christians everywhere are leaving the established church. What is church? Because church has become to most Americans something completely different than what it was originally intended to be. Something you do. It's something you do. You, you, place you go a place to. you go to. As as a child of God, as someone who has been redeemed, um, we're already members of the body of Christ. And I think we have lost sight of that. And we we tend to see those those check boxes that you need to complete each week. You have to go, you know, I went to the building, check it off, you know, I read my Bible today, check it off. You know, I went, I attended a class at church, check it off. And um, I, I don't know, I, I feel like there's a false sense of security, not that not that church buildings are bad. That's that's not the idea. It's just like, what is your motive? Are we breathing as the body? That's what I'm wondering. Are we really breathing? Are we alive as the body of Christ? Today, we got done with church and we've been just talking to people all day long. You know, like well, not just talking to people, not just shooting people, the breeze. There's nothing wrong with, with that. Dreaming with people, you know, sharing gospel stories with people. Bob, the guy you met earlier, who I just randomly met in Target, came out, and we shared life stories about what this revival looks like. Which, by the way, is right now there is a revolution happening in America, and if you're unaware of it, then. I'm just going to make a shameless plug. You need to watch our YouTube channel more because you're completely unaware of what is happening all around you in the United States. That Christians everywhere are leaving the church. Yeah. Leaving for... Leaving the established They know that this is not all that there is. They know there's something... There's nothing wrong with the church. Right. But they know that there's something (laughs) deeper that they're missing... I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with the church. There's lots wrong with the church. And then this pandemic happened in 2020 and masses of people have not come back. On a very simple level, the American church made its focus all about evangelism and relevance. And we, sp- and we spent way too much time and money on lights in the show and less on the community and even more or less on equipping believers to know the word of God, to become knowledgeable in the word of God. We... I, I'm owning up to this, taught way more on the practicals of how to have a successful church service than I did on teaching leaders how to hear the Holy Spirit and how to rightly divide truth. Because there's a lot of people who have been hurt by the church and are not coming back. They're hurt. They've lost hope in the established church and they believe they can find joy or happiness as a shallow definition elsewhere. 
Every day, people are caught in the crossfire of church done wrong. I believe ultimately people want to belong and they want to feel like they're valued and belong to something good. And they want that something good to not treat them like the world does, which is transactional, but to genuinely care about them and to care with them. I also believe that people want to know that the community they're a part of stands up for what is right and good and doesn't cave in or compromise when intelligent people challenge the foundations of their beliefs. Where discussion is encouraged in a civil way, questions about faith are welcomed, and testimonies of what God has done and is doing when his people walk by faith are not put on the back burner anymore and are made a higher priority weekly. Just because we live in a world where the church is full of broken people does not mean that the gospel is broken. Just because we live in a world where there are so many complexities that go beyond what we believe can be solved does not mean that the Bible does not have the solutions. And for this, we can have joy to break us out of the hopelessness. We can have joy to pull us out of the unrest because we know that the Lord's word is still true and that Jesus is still truth. It's not contingent upon what we see circumstantially in the world. Jesus is the light, even when we feel the church has not reflected that light so well. Now, again, you can understand why I wanted to just, as much as I can, stay close to what I wrote, because I believe this, and 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 I, I wanted to think deeply through it. Um, I've really been thinking lately about how to connect this these topics this, this, you know, Advent topics, hope, peace, uh, joy, and love with my children, because I didn't, I didn't want to just, I didn't want to just, uh, come across them in a trite way. And, and, and I hope you know, and believe that, that we've been so genuine, you know, like we chased God and we had a season of traveling in the RV where our YouTube channel got really big. And then we heard the Lord say, shut it down. Well, not shut it down. He didn't say that. He just said, would you be malleable and make a shift? And we knew that that meant like, okay, we're not going to be going after trying to grow a YouTube channel anymore. We had to trust the Lord with that. We spent five years in missions, missions training. And man, how beautiful. And God is now moving us into a new season. And he's now said, like, I, I want you to speak out, Trent. I, I want you to, to, to speak truth. And so I'm, I'm following him in that. And, and I really am appreciative of that. And I like that. And so you guys will be the beneficiaries of getting to, you know, be a part of little, you know, podcasts and, you know, uh, uh, songs that we're writing. And, and that's great. I tend to think deeply about how to communicate these things in a non-superficial way. I didn't want to just teach hope, joy, love, peace in a terminology kind of a way and completely ignore that my boys live in a world that not only does not know what these words really mean, they even want to change what these words mean. It's one, to, it's one thing to say that Jesus is the hope of the world, but to also answer that question when someone says, what does that mean for me? What hope is there for me? What peace is there for me? How can I have joy when I don't right now? It seems to me that what gets communicated to our children 
through social media and news and current affairs in general is hopelessness, unrest, depression, and hate. It's like the advent of the enemy. The enemy wants to redefine what these words mean in order for us to embrace them. The advent of the world means celebrating the coming of darkness. But Jesus is the light of the world. He came, he's coming again, and he comes right now to save us. The word of God says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So let's have joy this week, knowing that we have a savior. His name is Jesus. He is alive and he is with us right now. Remember, we can make the world better. I believe we can. Bye guys. Thanks for being with me today. 